assigning space is really my brainchild, as, as, as they say. So I initiated, but also it's very much a vision that wanted to create, to take from the academia, from science fiction books, from science fiction films into reality. So assigning space is an actual reenactment of what would happen if we were to receive an extraterrestrial signal and possibly an extraterrestrial message. Welcome to an extraordinary adventure through the realms of scientific imagination. I'm thrilled to present this special series brought to you in collaboration with the brilliant media artist Daniela de Paulis. You see, a year ago I had the pleasure of interviewing Daniela about her inspiring artistic research and what captivated me the most was her remarkable ability to bridge the gap between the arts and the sciences. Now let's delve into Daniela's latest project, A Sign in Space, and prepare to be amazed because this venture was a collaboration between Daniela, the City Institute, the European Space Agency, the Green Bank Observatory and the ENAF, the Italian National Institute for Astrophysics. A sign of space revolves around the transmission of a simulated extraterrestrial message presented as a worldwide live performance. The event took place on the 24th of May and the message was being to Earth from an actual spacecraft. Even as we speak, individuals across the globe are working to decipher the message. As the New York Times wrote about a sign in space, and I quote, as the New York Times mentions, and I quote, in the 1997 movie Contact, Jodie Foster plays an astronomer, Ellie Arroway, who detects an alien radio signal from outer space. Eventually, the fictional Dr. Airway goes on a trip through hyperspace to commune with an alien presence appearing in the form of her dead father. Now, it's your turn to be Mrs. Foster. End quote. Yes, indeed. Even the New York Times picked up this amazing project. And the excitement is palpable with discussions buzzing on Discord and social media platforms. The project has already garnered loads of attention with nearly a hundred articles and counting, including coverage in publications like The New Scientist and The New York Times. Now, in this podcast, we aim to shed light on the incredible theory and process behind a sign in space. And before we proceed, allow me to briefly introduce myself. I'm Sabina Winters. I'm a philosopher of science with a strong focus on philosophy of space and your host on this cosmic journey. In this first podcast episode, we will meet Daniela de Paulus herself, and we have the pleasure of welcoming two esteemed advisors of the project, Frank White, a philosopher of space and writer, and Jörg Matthias Datemann, an associate professor of history at Virginia Commonwealth University, Qatar. Their insights will undoubtedly enrich our understanding of the project, project's significance and impact. For those of you encountering a sign in space for the first time, be sure to visit the website. There you will find the wealth of information and the opportunity to join the global community deciphering the message. Visit assignin.space to embark on this journey. So fasten your seatbelts and prepare for an expedition into the unknown. 
Welcome to the Scientific Imagination series. Let's begin our cosmic odyssey. My name is Daniela De Paulis. I'm an artist and I work across disciplines. And my latest project is called A Sign in Space, which is the result of approximately 15 years of work with radio technologies and live performance art. And in this project, I bring together people from my international networks that I've been nourishing, growing for the past 15 years. I really managed to bring together my friends, my colleagues from all these various networks. And this is how this project was made possible. So it's quite an ambitious project in terms of both use of technology and logistics. And it would have been impossible to do just on my own or without the really dedicated help of so many people. Assigning space is really my brainchild, as, as, as they say. So I initiated, but also it's very much a vision that I wanted to create, to take from the academia, from science fiction books, from science fiction films into reality. My role is that of an artistic director. And I try as much as possible to hold the dynamic, to have an overview of the dynamic, to try and steer the dynamic in a certain direction. So assigning space is an actual react reenactment of what would happen if we were to receive an extraterrestrial signal and possibly an extraterrestrial message. What would happen? How would we make sense of it? So for me, this was the crucial question. How would we attribute any meaning to a message coming from an extraterrestrial civilization. So I think this is for me the crucial philosophical and artistic question. As we are a very complex society nowadays, especially also because and thanks to social media, we are able to generate more and more opinions and exchange opinions also across cultures. My, my question is, how would we, using this kind of technologies, create meaning around this message. So is it possible to come to a final, a definitive meaning? I think it won't be possible, especially if this message is truly extraterrestrial. I think the interpretation will always be open-ended and will always reflect our cultural, intellectual limitations, and probably it will be impossible to really interpret correctly, interpret what another civilization is trying to, to communicate. Hello, my name is Frank White. I'm the author of The Overview Effect, Space Exploration and Human Evolution, and two other books on the overview effect, and perhaps most re relevant to our discussion today. I'm also the author of The SETI Factor, which is a book about the potential impact of extraterrestrial contact. And so I've been an advisor to the project, and mostly about what the message should look like, and also thinking about what impact it would have. From my point of view, 
I see a sign in space as something that I wrote about in my book. I did not write about this project because it didn't exist. However, what I wrote about was getting ready for SETI, as I put it. It seemed to me in examining the potential impact on society of contact with other intelligences, the more prepared we were, the better. And that book was actually written a long time ago, maybe 30 years ago. And it was assuming that perhaps the day would come when we received a signal, a message from another star system or elsewhere that everybody would agree this is this is what we call ETI, extraterrestrial intelligence. And it seemed fairly obvious the more you delved into that, that a society unprepared for it, not thinking about it, totally unaware of it, would really be shocked. And so I always felt that the longer we had to prepare, the better. I see this particular project as being preparation in that it's about a simulation of receiving a message and then various people working on the response or dealing with it. My name is Jörg Matthias Determann. I'm a historian who's based at Virginia Commonwealth University in Qatar, in the Middle East. And I've been a team member of Assign in Space since 2021. I have been researching the history of science, especially the history of astronomy and space science and astrobiology in the Middle East and in the Islamic world. On the momentous day of May 24, a sign in space took place. The interviews you are listening to were conducted approximately one week prior to this event. Till that point, the whole team, including Matthias, Daniel and Frank, didn't know what would happen or how people would react. As we sat down for these interviews, we found ourselves pondering about the many aspects that could shape the outcome of Assigning Space. Not only the social aspects were a source of speculation, the hope of a successful event also hinged on the perfect execution of the technical elements. In light of these circumstances, Matthias' reflections offer a window into our sea of thoughts. Sign in space to me is an experiment. It's an experiment of a technical nature, of a social nature, of an artistic nature. So the project is about sending a simulated extraterrestrial message back to Earth from a European space agency spacecraft. This is like any interplanetary communication, a technical challenge, sending any type of signal from another planet or from a satellite that orbits another planet to Earth is something that needs testing, that needs technical equipment, specialized instrumentation, such as the 
Green Bank Observatory and the Allen Telescope Array that are involved in this particular project. So this is a technical experiment. We want to see whether it's going to work. Well, we've had tests already, but we, well, we have to wait until so the the big live event itself to see whether things will work. It's Science in Space is also an artistic experiment involving different people contributing ideas for the actual message. Assign in Space is also a social experiment. So we're not going to know uh, until it happens how society will react, right? Will people around the world, ordinary people, care about this project? Will they be interested? Will people take it too seriously? Will they understand the project? Will they misunderstand the project? The 24th of May marked the awaited event with several unanswered questions hanging in the air. However, let us shift our attention to the project itself as a sign in space is a long-term undertaking. It necessitated years of collaboration, extensive research, introspection and valuable contributions to come to realization. There is a lot of, if you like, there are a lot of layers to this project. There is the purely scientific, technical layers. There is also the artistic, cultural, interdisciplinary, participatory layers as well. So definitely a strong layer of societal impact and collaboration. So for this project, I brought together some of the state-of-the-arts facilities in the fields of SETI research. SETI is Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. And foremost is the SETI Institute, which is based in California. The SETI Institute is one of the main institutions that is conducting SETI search. And they took this project on board last year as part of their Artist in Residency program. At the same time, I also leveraged my network at the through the various observatories, the Medicina Radio Observatory in Italy. I've been collaborating with the team at Medicina for years already. I've known them for many years, thanks to the SETI network. So it was relatively easy to convince them to collaborate with me on this project. And, and then from there, we also expanded the network involving the largest steerable terrestrial structure, the Green Bank Telescope, which is a 101 meter diameter telescope in West Virginia, where I am based at the moment. And thanks to a fellowship I received from the Green Bank Observatory, I was able to travel here last year and engage the scientists directly in my project. So I was able to talk about my project and get them enthusiastic about participating. So this is how I gained also the support of the Green Bank Telescope and Observatory scientists. And also the Allen Telescope Array will be one of the facilities involved. And it's a telescope owned by the SETI Institute, which is the only telescope in the world that is doing only SETI search. So they are searching for extraterrestrial signals 24-7. 
So the role of these telescopes is to receive the simulated extraterrestrial message that is going to be transmitted this coming Wednesday on the 24th of May by a spacecraft of the European Space Agency. The spacecraft is called the Trace Gas Orbiter and rotates around Mars. The logistics we had to develop to make this project possible were actually quite challenging and took about two years of development because we had to have bi-monthly meetings with the team at the European Space Agency and the various teams at the three observatories in order to establish this connection between the Triscus orbiter and the various observatories. So that was not uh, trivial at all. Also, we had to make make all kinds of calculation, especially regarding the distance between Mars and Earth. So we were able to work with a time frame that basically is becoming more and more complicated. So we, as as we speak, Mars continues getting further and further from Earth. So now we are at the moment. Where when Mars is getting more far away and we couldn't wait too much longer to host this event. We had to do it while Mars was still relatively relatively close to Earth. Otherwise, we would have to wait another two years. So we, there was a lot of like challenges like this one, for example, for the technical part and also uh, taking into account the sensitivity, the re- reception capabilities of these telescopes. And we had to conduct already reception tests to see if it was possible for this telescope to receive the signal. So it's, it's a Martian satellite. And we'll transmit this signal towards Earth and this large radio telescope will receive it. And after the reception, we will publish the data on a public server online. And people from around the world will be able to download it and start the decoding and interpretation process of the message that we will share on the project's website, on dedicated social media that are going to, that are published on the project's website. So anyone from around the world can participate in this decoding and the interpretation process. We are hoping it will be really worldwide. So of course we don't cover yet all all countries on Earth, it's almost impossible still, despite all the technology we have available. But we are hoping to reach as many people as possible from as many countries as possible. What I'm excited about this project is that this is a global project. This is a project that doesn't just involve the European Space Agency, but it involves observatories in different places like the Green Bank Observatory. And it involves advisors and team members who are based around the world. I'm based in Doha, Qatar, in the Middle East. So I love that this is a project about an extraterrestrial message, but an extraterrestrial message that is not just addressed to Europeans or not just addressed to Americans but an extraterrestrial message that is for humanity as a whole. It's not an American project. It's not a Russian project. It's not a French project. It's a terrestrial project or an Earth project. Again, the big challenge we're going to face 
with ETI is how do we deal with it? How do we confront a message which may well be interpreted differently by different cultures? We have many cultures on this planet, many governments on this planet, and we know already from our own experience that people coming from different points of view can look at exactly the same phenomenon and come to precisely opposite conclusions. We really need to practice working together anyway on, well, we need to work on topics like climate change. We need to work on things like pandemics. There are there are issues of global importance. And because we are very different in terms of culture, ideology, and governance, we often have a very difficult time collaborating on issues that we should find overwhelmingly relevant to all of us, not to just one country or one one way of thinking. And in this case, I think it's on a topic that really is very important. So I see it as a educational process, but also an experiential process that will stand us in good stead in the future. So this global endeavor calls upon all earthly inhabitants to participate in unraveling the message from outer space. Do not be fooled by its apparent simplicity, however. Deciphering an extraterrestrial communication goes beyond the literal message. It involves the quest for meaning, making it a profoundly philosophical and, I might add, complex undertaking. For me, the main question is how do we make sense of this type of completely alien content so for me this was the main the most fascinating potential of the project but of course there will be a lot of spin-off questioning and also we have a great public program with several workshops and with this with these workshops we also address these questions of how a potential discovery of extraterrestrial life and intelligence would change our view on spiritual matters, for example, or religion, or spatial understandings, or the ethical impact, for example, of such a discovery on our life and culture, etc. Because it is very much about how we make, how we create meaning as a society, as a human society, is plural. It's really about reflecting on how we create meaning in general. So we understand and misunderstand each other continuously. And I was really interested in exploring this possibility, especially once you you can use, for example, social media and other networks that can allow for this communication. And I thought, what is the most extreme kind of situation we can create for making, for highlighting this process of knowledge making, and probably having a signal coming from an extraterrestrial intelligence is really the most radical way to highlight this. So anything, literally anything, can be interpreted in an infinite number of possibilities, and I guess this type of reasoning also is what you would 
have if you were looking at an abstract painting. So if you're looking at an abstract painting like Pollock or whatever abstract painter you can imagine, we would have an endless number of interpretations, as many as people watching, in fact. I think uh, really incredibly diverse and arbitrary ways for humans to make meaning of something. Arbitrary because it is always, there is always an element of subjectivity and that subjectivity is, of course, tied to our life experiences. So my life experience will be very different even from someone who lived, grew up in the same street as, as me <laughs> or so the, 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 Unique experiences we have throughout life also are fundamental to the way we judge, we create meaning, we interpret something. And in that sense, it would be arbitrary because there is always that component of bias, the way you look at the data, how you decide to process the data, how you decide to clean the data, for example. That is already heavily biased by our culture, the methodologies we developed throughout centuries, by the instruments we use, etc. But especially when it comes to cultural interpretation, even more so because there is e even more an element of subjectivity involved, then at that point, it's, it's really quite hard to have exactly the same interpretation from a group of people or even just two people. So... Think about how difficult it is sometimes to communicate, even with people very close to you, right? I certainly have had misunderstandings with people in my own household, people like my wife or my daughter, that people that I'm living with, right? So whenever we deal with somebody other than ourselves, right, communication is, is a crucial and important area and problem indeed communication between family members, communication between members of the same society, and communication between members between members of different societies provides us with huge challenges, right? And yeah, as we know, right, from all the conflicts that we still see, unfortunately, around the world, that communication problems on earth, even between humans, have hardly been solved. Now, if we think about, well, if we look at our planet, if we look at the problems of our planet, we can think about our relationship as humans with other creatures on our own planet. And we realize the huge obstacles that we face in communication. So yeah, how far have we gotten in communicating with animals, for instance, even animals that we consider very intelligent, such as whales, or such as dolphins, or even with animals, again, that live very close to us and with us, such as dogs or cats or other pets. So if we see that even with life here on Earth, whether it is other humans or members of other species, we see that communication is such a huge issue, but we can only imagine that communication with other life forms in the universe will be even more difficult. So, but of course, that should not discourage us. 
right? Just like we need to communicate with our fellow human beings, and just like we should hopefully solve the problems that we have between societies and countries and nations here on earth, just like hopefully we should be get to an understanding between us as humans and the the other creatures that we are sharing our planet with, we need to find ways to communicate with the other life forms that we might share our solar system or our galaxy or the universe with. So a sign in space is at least a start, right? That we imagine what communication with life forms from another planet might look like. We, it is an experiment. We might get it wrong, right? The experiment might fail, but the communication in this simulated experiment might fail, but, but we have to keep trying, right? So, first of all, to imagine a signal coming to us from another intelligence like ourselves makes us think about how might that be the case? How might they evolve? What might they be like? And so it it's an exercise in thinking about being in a universe that's teeming with life and teeming with intelligence. But that's also another point. If you start to explore this topic, you realize, well, life could evolve on another planet, but that doesn't mean it will evolve a highly technical civilization like ours with entities like us. If you look at most science fiction movies, the so-called aliens, they really look like humans dressed up like aliens. They have a lot of the same characteristics we do. Now, scientifically, that's not ridiculous because we're more or less imagining evolution taking on a, taking place on a planet like Earth, and therefore we are very well adapted to planet Earth. So on another celestial body like ours, you might think intelligent life would evolve similar features, right? But Still, we have a hard time imagining intelligence being embodied in something very different from us. We also, I think we're learning over time, there's a lot of intelligence right here on Earth. And we do consider ourselves superior, and we make every effort to point out how we are superior. But people who interact with dolphins, octopuses, dogs, even fish. I recently read a book about fish. It's called What a Fish Knows. Fish are very intelligent, actually, in their own way. And I'm not talking about some spiritual theory. I'm talking about what science tells us about them. Primitive life existed on the earth for a long time before we emerged. And it's really rather miraculous that we exist, actually. Whether you think we were created by another intelligence called God, or you believe in theories of evolution, it's still pretty amazing that we're here. It's not inevitable that there is 
intelligence like ourselves out there. And that is a remarkable and existentially challenging idea that we're actually pretty much alone in the universe. Either way, if, if the universe is teeming with intelligent life like ourselves or very barren of it, there's a third possibility, and many people have talked about it, which is that highly advanced intelligent civilizations destroy themselves. And that's why we don't hear from them. If you look at the precarious nature of life on Earth right now, that's not a crazy idea. So there are a lot of different possibilities. Either way, it gives us some idea of who we are, where we are in the universe. But a project like this makes us think about all of the possibilities. It's just inherently interesting. And I really haven't met anyone who won't express an opinion or tell me what they think. And usually the opinion is, well, we're not alone. There are too many stars. There are too many planets. There, you know, there's just, it. the probabilities are that there are aliens out there and that we'll eventually be in touch with them. And I suppose that's just part of being human, which is being really curious and being, being, I suppose I would say, tantalized by the unknown because we don't have an answer. And so I think people think my opinion is just as good as yours. You know, I, maybe you're a philosopher, maybe you're a scientist, but you don't know the answer, and I don't either. There's the metaphor about spaceship Earth, that we're really on a spaceship with a crew. However, a crew on a real spaceship wouldn't act the way we do. <laughs> they would work together more. They would be more cooperative. They would be more collaborative because their lives would depend on it. I do think artists have a way of communicating with the public that is more direct in some cases, more accessible in some cases than science and technology. This is not just a pure science project. Yes, the sciences and, the, and engineering and technology are all part of it. But what I love about this project is that we also have a poet, Gregory Betts, having a leading role, right? And yes, I think we are dealing with communication ultimately, right? We must always realize that communication, yes, it involves technology, but you can't properly communicate or you can't richly communicate and you can't communicate with full meaning unless you involve the arts and the humanities and the social sciences especially of course if we're dealing with a very complex form of communication with a different civilization with a different world altogether 
Assigning space signifies our collective pursuit of enhanced comprehension, emphasizing the quest for meaning, effective communication and transcending cultural differences through collaborative efforts. It embraces diverse perspectives and instills the recognition of their, of their existence. Assigning space represents therefore a realm of exploration, experimentation and above all, it's a project that unites art and science within an imaginary setting, thus creating meaning in itself. This is one of the one of the objectives of my projects in general, and especially this one, is to create this conversation, a tan very tangible conversation amongst various cultures by having a fictional uh, fictional object somehow motivating this conversation. So you cannot just say, "Okay, now let's all talk with each other." If you have an object of conversation, and and that is really for I think humans a great way to have an exchange. And for me, this was a very radical, imaginary scenario to have these extraterrestrial signals suddenly arriving to Earth. And as an artist, I think the compulsion we have as an artist is to make these imaginary scenarios, landscapes, objects, tangible, visible, perceivable. So I had this imagination of a scenario and I I thought this could be really interesting to just create this conversation and cultural exchange and learn gradually how to also work and communicate as one global group of people. And I think people I collaborated with, they really connected with this imagination I I created. So they very much, um, the reason why all the scientists decided to collaborate, it's, I think, mostly because they could very much imagine these. And so in this case, the role of the imagination was really pivotal, was without having this drive, it would have been, I think, impossible to bring together so many researchers from so many renowned facilities, especially because also it costs money for them to host this project, to offer telescope time for this project. It's hugely expensive. And so I think the fact that they decided to participate is really not because I I not because they like me. I mean, I hope they do like me too, but not because of that. It's simply because there was this shared imagination that we thought was worthwhile to explore. I just want to add that really this project again was really an incredible orchestra of people working on this on this plan, on this vision. So I it's really important to emphasize how we were really very much a team and several teams, in fact, scientific team, outreach team. And and I love to see how actually it's, it is possible to bring people from different fields and make them work together. And it was just wonderful to have these group meetings with people from the European Space Agencies and the radio observatories who wouldn't typically meet in a room 
and there was there is a lot of really I think human just very important value which goes beyond the execution of the project so that's quite for me I think we all gain something from this exchange Thank you for tuning in. I want to express my gratitude to a special guest, Frank White, Jörg Matthias Determan and Daniela De Paulis. In our next episode, get ready to dive into the cultural aspects of this fascinating project. And don't worry, we will also delve into the technical and scientific details that make this so intriguing. So stay tuned for an enlightening and enriching experience. For more information, visit assignin.space or go to scientificimagination.org.